Hello, and welcome to the Volume Knob, the songs that saved your life. This week, Matt and the River. Hey friends, how are you? Uh, from my basement in the Montreal neighborhood of Notre-Dame-de-Grasse, allow me to welcome you to another episode of The Volume Knob, where we share stories about the music that moves us. As you know, I've been asking you a favor so far this season. I've been asking you to help me spread the word about this podcast, to tell people that you know and love about why you listen every week. And... The momentum is building a little bit. We're actually making some progress here, folks. I'd like to welcome folks from Kingston, Jamaica, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, Arbath in Scotland, Honolulu, Hawaii. It's been a really interesting week on that level. And so if you have shared the show with a friend in the last seven days or so, I'd like to thank you. I'd like to reach out to those of you who haven't and ask you maybe, you know, if you could spend 45 seconds this week sharing your favorite episode of The Volume Knob with a friend of yours who might get it, who might understand that music is what unites us and that stories about music are moving and useful. So in line with the new things I'm doing this year, I have got another treat for you this week. As you can imagine, when I'm chatting with all of these remarkable guests that I have on the show every week, there are all kinds of musical experiences that we can discuss that don't make it into a full-fledged personal story. There are little anecdotes which merit something, but maybe don't merit a full 20 to 30 minutes of, of personal story. And so I reached out to our listener community, I've reached out to the storytelling community, and I've collected some of these great anecdotes snapshots, if you will, that are individually worth a look. And I'd like to share one with you this week. It's what I'm calling a TVK mixtape. I'm David Crabb, and this is my TVK mixtape. I'm all I want to be. So when I was sort of an alt-rock art major in San Marcos, Texas, I was easily folded into the grunge movement, and I became obsessed with Hole. I was so excited to go see them in Austin because they were like cool and, and they also made me feel like a dude. Like, yeah, I can rock out my car. And I drove to Austin and it was a daytime show because it was weekend music festival in Austin. I went into this trashy little black box venue and I walked in and I realized something was weird about the venue as the show started because I realized I looked around and there were all of these like literally children, like girls. Girls who looked so, so young. I mean, I'm talking like braces, like teddy bear backpacks, the whole thing. And then as Courtney came out, she just tore into it. I mean, she was in like a dirty negligee and like her hair was messed up. The band was just, I mean, it was just brilliant, ear bleeding cacophony. As it was happening, like she had these baby dolls, these like horrible vintage store dolls. And they were stuffed like with glitter and candy in their guts. Like she would hold up it all, like shove its guts with candy and then pelt people in the audience with it. It was like a gift, but it was like, you could get hurt. 
And it was just crazy. And as I was watching it, I was sort of pushed further back into the audience because the throng of literally 12, 13, 14 year old girls that all smelled like patchouli and strawberry in like their whole shirts and like their weird, awkward acne. Like it was just not what I expected. And they were just rushing the stage. And as I was watching them, I was looking at the back of the venue where all the line of mothers, all the mothers who these girls had brought to God knows what these mothers thought. These were women like with van soccer vans parked outside, fanny packs, like big purses that they keep on them in the venue. They were terrified. You could just see them be like, what have I done? And I remember this really cool thing happened as I was kind of absorbing like, oh God, this is not the, the, the demographic I expected. This one mother rushed past me. She went through the gaggle of girls as Courtney Love was like screaming and torn fish nuts and she grabbed her daughter and was like pulling her out. And it was such a small venue that we all clocked it. It was in the middle of the sea of people, young girls, <laughs> me, and Courtney Love clocked it. And she was doing banter in a song and it was so, I'll always remember this, as the mom opened the door out into the street, like it was the middle of the day, which is so weird, light just like flooded the whole, like it was just like sunlight, everyone, it was just wrong and awful. And the girl kind of looked over in the doorway. I mean, her mom was literally forcing her away. And Courtney Love looked at the doors of going out, was like, bye. And as the door shut really slow, she like plucked one note on her guitar. And then as like the light shut on her face, she just said, She'll be back. One, two, three! So many thanks to David for sharing that TVK mixtape with us this week. Uh, a couple of things about David. First, if you enjoyed that story, you might want to take a look at his story in season two of the show. He did a funny story about Bjork in his days in New York City. Furthermore, we're going to have him back on the show later this season with a fantastic story that I'm really excited to share with you about the pandemic. Finally, if you have an anecdote, a short story that has a musical theme to it, I'd sure love to hear it. I think it's a great opportunity for listeners who may be interested in personal storytelling but don't have the desire to show themselves intimately the way that some of our storytellers do or perhaps don't have something developed that's in great length. I'd love to work with you on a mixtape instead of a full story. So if that's you, I'd love to hear from you via email. The email address for the show is volumenobpod, all one word, at gmail.com. That's volumenobpod at gmail.com. Reach out and we'll talk about it. So if David was the opening act, I'd like to introduce you to this week's headliner. My name is Matthew Dix. I'm a storyteller, a teacher, and a subpar golfer in West Hartford, Connecticut. And the song that saved my life is The River by Bruce Springsteen. I have to admit that Matt is someone I've wanted to have on the show for a very long time. He's not only an intelligent and articulate and inspiring guy, but his storytelling resume is very long and very impressive. Um, just quickly, 52 Moth Story Slam wins, 
and seven Moth Grand Slam wins, and a best-selling book on storytelling called Storyworthy, Engage, Teach, Persuade, and Change Your Life Through the Power of Storytelling. He's also the producer of the Speak Up Storytelling series and of a podcast, which is also called Speak Up, which is one of the most in-depth discussions of the art of personal storytelling that you're ever going to hear. This is someone who lives this art form, and you can tell by the way he approaches his work. It's exciting to have him. But without further ado, let's let's hear from Matt. It's a little after one o'clock in the morning, and I'm heading home. Home for me at this time in my life is a converted pantry in the home of a family of Jehovah's Witnesses. It's not really my bedroom. I share it. I share it with a guy named Rick, who speaks in tongues in the middle of his sleep. And I share the room with an indoor pet goat. It was actually the goat's room before Rick and I ever came along, so I guess technically the goat is sharing the room with us. It's not a great place to live, but it is a roof over my head. It's what I've got right now. As I turn onto Main Street, I pop my Bruce Springsteen cassette into the player. It's 1992. CDs do exist at this time, but not in this piece of junk that I drive. I'm still using plastic and reel, and I'm listening to Springsteen, which is sort of like the one thing I have in my life right now that makes me feel good. My life is not going in the direction it is supposed to be going. I'm 24 years old and all of my friends, they're graduating from college and they're starting their lives. And my life has yet to start. I just finished an eight hour shift managing a McDonald's restaurant. And before that eight hour shift, I finished another eight hour shift as the teller at a bank. I'm working 16 hours a day, six days a week. Because about six months ago, I was arrested for a crime I didn't commit. And I have to somehow come up with $25,000 to pay an attorney to try to keep me out of prison. $25,000 in 1992 for a 24-year-old kid who was homeless three months ago is $1 billion. I don't know how I'm ever going to save this money. The real problem, though, is I can't go back to work. Or at least I don't think I can. About two weeks ago, I was robbed at gunpoint. The men who broke into my restaurant, they didn't believe me when I said I couldn't open the box in the bottom of the safe. And so they took guns and they put them to my head. And they told me they were going to shoot me in the head. When they pulled the triggers, the guns were empty. But I don't think my head is ever going to be empty again. so going to that restaurant every night it's becoming impossible and so I'm driving through Brockton, Massachusetts a very violent town already and I just don't see a lot of hope in my future
I take a left at the light. I'm heading into Whitman now. It's the town where Mary and Jerry, the Jehovah Witnesses, live. And Springsteen's The River comes on. I hear that harmonica that starts the song. It's the one Springsteen song that I can't stand. I listen to Springsteen because he needs to remind me that everyone has a hungry heart. I listen to Springsteen so that he can remind me that there's no retreat, no surrender. I listen to Springsteen with the hope that there will be glory days at some point in my future. But this song, The River, it's about two kids who get pregnant when they're teenagers. And they essentially give up on their life and it makes me nuts. It's not a reasonable expectation or feeling to have, but whenever this song comes on, there's a part of me that screams out to them to wake up, that you're 19 and your 18-year-old girlfriend is pregnant, but your life is not over. It has yet to even begin. Then I got married pregnant And man, that was all she owed And for my 19th birthday I got a union card and a wedding coat I listen to Springsteen talk about getting a union card and a wedding coat and, and that's it. That they drive to the river and that is all they will ever have and it makes me crazy. And so as I'm driving down the street, I find myself yelling at these kids again. It makes me crazy to think there are real people in the world who think this. That they get pregnant as teenagers and they have wasted their lives away. And then... For the first time in my life, it is like that song turns over and I hear it in a way I have never heard it before. I have reached the lowest point of my life on this night. I don't know it yet, but it will be the lowest point of my life ever. These nights that I drive home with all of this noise in my head. But as I hear Springsteen singing tonight, instead of shouting at these kids that their life isn't over at 19, I suddenly understand that Springsteen is singing to me. I know he's not. I know he is trying to tell the story of kids who give up hope and lose their dreams because of fate. He didn't write the song for me. He didn't perform the song for me. But tonight the song is somehow for me because instead of yelling at those kids, I start yelling at myself. I start saying to myself that you're 24 
and your life is impossible right now. But it is also possible that someday it won't be impossible. That someday home might not be a pantry. Someday work might not be 16 hours a day, six days a week. Someday I may find freedom from this, from these charges, this trial that is looming. And maybe someday that terrible click of a gun that just keeps going off in my head, maybe that will go away too. The first time in my life, I hear the river, and instead of yelling at those people in that song, I'm yelling at me, and I am telling myself that I should not give up hope because I'm 24 years old and I can't see a future for myself. It's the moment in my life when I understand that the most important thing anyone has in this life is hope. Even more so, it is the moment I realize in my life that the worst thing that can ever be taken away from you is hope. That as long as you have a sense that there might be a tomorrow that is not like today, that that is a possibility somewhere down the road, that lets you take that next step. person right now who can't walk from one room to the next without feeling mortal terror for what has happened to me in that restaurant that night. I can't turn a corner without waiting to find two men on the other side. But listening to that song, I now believe that there might be a day when all of that is gone. There might be a day when the things that I want to do in my life The things I've always wanted to do, to be a teacher, to be a writer, to be a father. For the first time in maybe my entire life, I actually believe it's possible. I listen to the rest of that song as I drive, and when it finishes... I hit that rewind button. I listened to that sound that cassettes made as they found their way back to the song and I listened to it again. I hear that sad harmonica start and for the first time in my life it doesn't sound sad. It is, for me, a song of hope. It is a song that gets me through that night and in that time in my life getting through a night was an enormous thing. And I know that if I get through this night, I will get through another night. And then maybe at some point, all of these nights will go away. And daylight will be at the end of the road.
Hey friend, thanks for listening. The Volume Knob is a weekly exploration of stories about the way music makes us feel. It's produced by Semlevin Audio, and it's made entirely by me, the podcast producer who has an embarrassing story about the day he bought his copy of Springsteen's The River. My name is Keith Seri. Remember to share an episode of this show with someone you love who loves music and stories, and to get over to our website at www.volumenob.net to learn more about Matthew, including finding links to the podcast that he runs with his wife Alicia and to his books. While you're on the website, be sure to sign up for the Volume Knob mailing list. As well, you can follow the show on social media. We're at Volume Knob 1, that's the number one, on Twitter. And on Instagram, the handle is volume underscore knob. Finally, my thanks to my son Miles for his 30-second review of The River. So, tell me what you think. The song reminds me of something that would play over the credits of a movie like it's somewhat regretful slightly positive loud something that you you can vibe to as a bunch of as a bunch of names scroll past the screen i liked it it's it's nice the tunes are nice the starting feels a little bit dragged out to me but aside from that i liked it Thanks again for listening, and be sure to come back next week for more stories about the songs that saved your life.